to Victory Alabang Podcast. We hope this message encourages and inspires you today. Alright. Well, hello Victory family. How are you guys doing? Good to see all of you right here in the auditorium and uh, those of you who are watching us on Facebook and also on YouTube. Uh, I just want to thank our worship team for being here. All our volunteers and uh, some of the pastors are here. We're about 20 people here in the uh, auditorium. We're making our, our making sure that we are safe here. Uh, there are also some people who are watching from Zoom. And so I'd like to take this time to just greet those uh, people in the Azumbly Hall. Okay, so uh, if you can just uh, say hi to them. There you go. Hello, guys. How are you guys doing? All right. Great to see you all. And I uh, hope that uh, some of our people will be able to join the, the Azumbly Hall soon. Okay, so... Um, We'll uh, update you about the link, and so you can actually be part of this, and I think we can accommodate about 50,000, right, uh, by faith. Okay, but anyway, so, uh, all right, so um, we are now uh, proceeding with our series again on the book of Romans, and, um, you know, for those who are physically here, once again, I want to thank you uh, to the staff, the worship team, and uh, I know that it is such a, uh, a big leap for us from being quarantined and stuck at home. Now we are slowly moving inside the auditorium. We're making sure that we are fulfilling our daily health monitor thanks to uh, our faithful uh, staff, Ms. Alma Arneta. Okay, batiin natin si Alma. Also, uh, we hope that everybody's safe at home while they're watching uh, online and um, pray that you are all healthy and that you're also blessed. You know, this year we hope to have our church that can have a deeper understanding of the important truths of the gospel and to have a greater love for God's word. And that's the reason why we as the pastors and the uh, apostolic team and the uh, Bishop, Bishop Council uh, embarked on a 22-week series on the book of Romance. Can you imagine that? This whole book I've been talking about for the past 18 weeks. Today is week number 18. And would you believe that? That, uh, you know, when we started this particular series, we are in the early part of the quarantine, and we are still under quarantine here, and we're still in the book of Romance, okay? So um, we're moving forward. In the first part of the series, we focus on the gospel explained. In fact, if you are there on YouTube or maybe uh, on FB, why don't you go ahead and type the gospel explained just so that you can actually be part of this and you can actually be engaged. Uh, we're highlighting the power of the gospel and the greatness of the mercy of God towards His people. How many of you are grateful for the fact that God saved us? God forgave us our sins. God adopted us. In Romans chapter 1 through 8, Paul was talking about the doctrines of salvation. Justification by faith. Sanctification by faith. And the work of the Holy Spirit in transforming all of us. How many of you would agree with me that the gospel has the power to change? In fact, if you are there, sit it beside your family members. Just tell the person beside you, the gospel has the power to change. Okay? So the gospel has the power to change. Okay? And God is working in us and through us. And in, in Romans chapter 9 to 11, we also talked about that uh, before the missions uh, uh, miniseries. Paul talked about God's generous, uh, sorry, sovereignty and God's plan for Israel that he is not yet done with them. In fact, there's going to be a remnant that's going to be uh, you know, acknowledging the, the lordship of Jesus Christ. 
And so, as we start talking about Romans 12 today, there's a big shift in the, na- in the, in the theme that the Apostle Paul was discoursing in the, in the book of Romans. In fact, from Romans chapter 12 until the very end of the book of Romans chapter 16, Paul is going to get extremely practical. Okay, so here all the theology we've learned in the first 11 chapters, now we will put into practice. So the first 11 chapters is what you call the orthodoxy, and this last four chapters is what you call the orthopraxy. Okay, so don't mind the big terms, okay? It's just a doctrine and practice. And the doctrines, I want to tell you this, the doctrines we believe should shape the way we live. Let me say that again. The doctrines that we believe should shape the way we live. And that's why we are calling this section of the series, The Gospel Expressed. The Gospel Expressed. And so if you have your Bibles, why don't you go ahead and open to the book of Romans chapter 12. And uh, we'll be reading from verses 1 to 8. Once again, we're reading from the ESV translation of the Bible. English Standard Version, Romans chapter 12, verse 1 to 8. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For us in one body, we have many members and members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Verse 6, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in, the, in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. This is the word of the Lord. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, thank you so much for the grace that you have given each and every one of us. We thank you, Lord God, that you, you have given us the grace to honor you, first with our bodies, to the grace to renew our minds, the grace to discover and use the gifts that you have given each and every one of us for your glory and your glory alone. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Wow. This is the year 2020. The year of the Lord, as they say. You know, we started this year with so much faith and expectation. And, uh, you know, many of you probably have re- remember the time when we celebrated prayer and fasting, the beginning of the year, January. And the theme of the prayer and fasting is amazing grace. You know, uh, amazing grace. What an appropriate theme for prayer and fasting for this year, 2020. A year of the pan- pandemic wherein we all are in need of the grace of God. And, you know, as we journey through this year, many of us have believed for breakthrough as we started this year. 
you know, we wrote down, you know, many of the things that we're believing God for. And yet this, somehow this year has taken a different turn. You know, some would even describe this year as a painful year. Some would even describe this year as a year of grief. Yet this year, for, for us personally, this year, 2020, happens to be our 30th uh, wedding anniversary for Shirley and I. So if you're watching, love, uh, happy anniversary, okay? In 1990, in Grand Boulevard Hotel, which is no longer in operation today. It used to be the Celais Hotel, you know, just way, way back, many, many decades ago. For those of you who remember that, you're quite old, okay? So it was a morning wedding. So we had uh, a great time celebrating it with our family and friends. And I remember during that time when Pastor Steve was officiating our wedding, uh, we exchanged vows, me and Shirley, uh, in the ballroom of the hotel in front of our family and close friends. And, you know, the typical vows of couples, if you are married, you would hear these words or these vows in sickness and in health. For richer or for poor, this is like the standard vow. For better or for worse, hopefully better. And yet we say, until death, do us part. And these vows created the framework of how me and Shirley looked at our marriage and how we are to treat one another in our walk together as husband and wife. For the past 30 years, it's not been a perfect marriage, but somehow because of the way we started it and the way we promised before God, before one another, and before the other people that you know, witnessed our, our marriage, uh, somehow those vows reflect what we believe about our relationship. And we promise that day that only death will keep us apart. And we're praying, you know, there are many, many nights that we pray, me and Shirley, about this particular aspect of our wedding vow, that we will grow old together. And we're hoping that God will grant us that prayer, that we will not have any sickness, that we will actually grow old and we will be able to witness the wedding of our aposa apo, something like that, okay? And that somehow we will be, you know, walking side by, hopefully we will just die in our old age in our sleep. It is important to know that right belief leads to right conduct. Right believing leads to right living it'll impact the way we conduct ourselves before others. It'll change our mindsets and our worldview. It'll change the attitude and our behavior. It'll change the way we interact with people. It'll change the way we, you know, the way we speak before our spouse or our children. You know, it'll transform our speech from cursing to blessing. You know, we will have the grace to love, the grace to forgive, the grace to trust again. It'll help us to walk in humility and also even hospitality. What you believe will determine how you live. What you believe will determine how you live. And the Apostle Paul took 11 chapters from Romans chapter 1 to chapter 11 to explain the important doctrines of our faith. Who Jesus is and his work on the cross and also what we receive from him as we have received him and we put our faith in the finished work of, of Christ on the cross, and now Paul is explaining to us 
how we are to respond to him as his followers. And there are three things that Paul is basically urging the believers to live by in the verses that we have just read. These three things that we are called to practice. You know, in the past few weeks, we're talking about, you know, it's almost like going to the seminar because we're talking about big words, justification, sanctification, glorification, sovereignty. But now we're going to be talking about practical stuff. First phrase or first two words is living sacrifice. Everybody say living sacrifice. Living sacrifice. In verse 1, it says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. You know, we see the word once again, therefore, and when we, we see this word very often. It's a transition statement. It is defined as because something happened. And what the Apostle Paul is saying, in the light of chapters 1 to 11, how God saved us and loved us, therefore, this is how we ought to respond to Him. How do we respond again? To present your bodies as living sacrifice. Living sacrifice. You know, when I was first reading this, you know, uh, part of the Bible, I said to myself, it does not make sense. How can a sacrifice be living? You know, in the Old Testament, when the people would give to the priest animals like pigeons or bulls or sheep, they would sacrifice it as a burnt offering. And normally, the sacrifice would be dead. So what does the Apostle Paul mean when he says, present your bodies as living sacrifice? Aren't you glad that we're no longer living in the Old Testament, that we're now living in the New Testament, that we no longer have to sacrifice here in Festival Mall? Can you imagine, you know, if one day, you know, I would see Pastor Bodhi bring a bull here and he would actually sacrifice. And Pastor JJ would bring a sheep. Pastor King would bring a horse or whatever. And so we were, we were sacrificing all these animals. It's going to be a bloody place here. But now the Apostle Paul is saying, present your bodies not as dead sacrifices, but as living sacrifices. What does that mean? You know, there's not a Christian guy, but the actor-director Woody Allen said this statement, 80% of life is just about showing up. That's it. It indicates the importance of presence in life. You know, when we were in high school, we, you know, we were part of the varsity team because they had no choice. There were only 12 boys in our class, so all the sports we had to be part of. And so one time, we were, you know, you know, after a game of uh, volleyball, we had to go to basketball, but, you know, some of our teammates did not show up, so we lost by default. And that's what I mean by showing up. You just have to show up. Don't let the enemy win by default. Be there, be present, be present before God. When a friend is in crisis, be present for him. That is the most important thing at that moment. In your marriage, for example, you got to be present there for your spouse. You got to be serving. You know, showing up matters. In fact, showing up in church matters. But not right now, okay? You're safe there at home. Presenting our bodies as living sacrifice means showing up for God. Reporting for duty. You know, there's a song that was popularized 
many, many years ago. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, yes, Lord. You know, it's as if we're saying, Lord, whatever it is, whatever you, you know, wherever you lead me, I will follow. Whatever you feed me, I will swallow. Something like that. It means showing up for God. Our presence before God is not a sacrifice that leads to death, but a life-giving sacrifice. It is a form of dedication or consecration to God's will. And I remember the story of Joshua before they entered the promised land in Joshua chapter uh, 3 verse 5. It's, he said, consecrate, uh, 5 verse 3, Consecrate yourselves because tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things before you. There's something that happens when the people of God offer their bodies or consecrate their bodies or purify their bodies before the Lord. Paul did not just say, offer your life as a living sacrifice. But he said to offer your body, physical body, as a living sacrifice. What do you mean by that? You know, our bodies represent the totality of our lives. Because your body is the vehicle by which you are experiencing this world. In fact, wherever your body goes... There you are. Very profound, right? But that's who we are. You know, we are in this mortal body. And when God said through the Apostle Paul to present your body as a living sacrifice, it means everything about you is to be given back to Him. You know, we, before the preaching, we just had our offerings. And nowadays, in order for us to be able to give back to God what He first gave to us, we now give online. And it used to be when we had our gathering here, physical gathering in this auditorium, we used to have ushers passing on the offering bags. And, you know, we normally prepare our checks or our cash, put it in the envelope, and then drop it in the offering bag. What if one day, just so that you can literally follow this Offer your body. Why don't you just go inside the offering bag and just go and offer yourself as a living sacrifice? It's a good example, but somehow I believe that that speaks a lot for who we are because God wants our entire being, not just our finances, not just your time, but your mind, your will, your emotion, the entire body, your feet, your hands, your, your eyes, your mouth, every part of you, God wants that. He wants our dreams and the brain that goes with it. He wants our speech and the mouth that actually, you know, where the word comes out. He wants our service and he wants the hands that we use for serving. You know, going back to the illustration of the nation of Israel bring sacrifices to God, they would bring some fruit sometime or sometimes animals and the, the idea was the people are giving it to God, which means that they are taking it out of their control and they are transferring the full control to God, whatever He wants to do with the sacrifice. You know, if you and I are to be living sacrifices, it is a continually surrendering of our bodies and our lives to God every single day holy and acceptable to Him as a spiritual act of worship. It means that when Jesus said, if you want to be my disciple, you got to carry your cross, not just one time, 
not just when the, you pray the sinner's prayer, not just when you, you know, had a victory weekend, but to pick up our crosses daily and follow Him. Offering, presenting our bodies as living sacrifice. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19b to 20 says, You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. When we were not yet saved, we used to do everything we want with this body. Whether we want to drink, whether we want to abuse it with substance, whether we want to commit immorality. You know, but now that we are Christians and believers, Jesus bought us with a price, with his own blood. And when the Apostle Paul wrote this in Corinthians, he said, honor God with your body. This is talking about sexual purity and being morally upright. You know, the Old Testament sacrifice is a one-time sacrifice, but living sacrifice is a day-to-day, 24-7 matter. How do we surrender or honor our bodies or present our bodies? You know, many times the body always resists the will of God. You know, if you have a choice between fasting and feasting, what would you choose? Okay, you just type it down if you want to fast again, okay? But it's Christmas time, so it's okay to feast, right? Husbands, love your wife. And how do you love your wife? By dying for her daily, by serving her. It did not end there. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. That's difficult. Children, obey your parents. Even if you think that you're right, obey them and honor them. Singles, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Employees, consider your master with full respect. Obey them. Honor them. Be the most excellent employee that that company would ever have. Employee, employers, provide your employees with what is right and fair. And Jesus is saying this to all of us. Love your enemies. Don't just love your friends. Pray for them. Pray for those who persecute you. Do good to those who hate you. Lend to them without expecting anything back. This is what I mean by presenting your bodies as living sacrifice. When you talk about sacrifice, our default mode is to die. But Jesus wants you know, us to live. He does not want a dead sacrifice, but a living sacrifice. Yes, we died in Christ, but now we are resurrected in Him already. Jesus died for us so that we can live for Him. He came to give us life and life that is abundant. Second thing about these verses that we have read is we need to have a renewed mind. In verse 2, it says, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the removal of your mind. No, but, but by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. You know, I like the translation of J.B. Phillips. He said this, Don't let the world around you squeeze you into its own mold, but let God remold your minds from within so that you may prove in practice that the plan of God for you is good. Everybody say good. 
type there in the comment section, good. The plan of God for you is good. Meet all His demands and moves towards the goal of true maturity. You know, as we offer our bodies as living sacrifices to God, there must be a commitment to change. Do not conform to the pattern of the world. And Paul is presenting our human tendency of letting the world squeeze us into its mold. The world is, you know, if you talk about the world, I'm not talking about, you know, what, what John 3.16 is talking about, God so loved the world. But yet when you talk about the world in this particular context, the world is the general system that represents everything that is against God's truth. Ways of thinking that are unbiblical. Actions that are against God's standards in rebellion against God. Our human tendency is to conform to the pattern of the world. Now, what does it mean to conform to the pattern of the world? You know, many times you think that it's about no drinking, no smoking, no party, no uh, dancing, no sex unless it's your spouse, no tattoos, no drugs, no uh, bribery, no porn, uh, no uh, jeans with holes in it. You know, we, we think that, you know, it's an external thing. But notice that when the Apostle Paul refers to conforming to the world or the patterns of the world, he is not talking about behavior. He was referring to our thinking. He's referring to our minds. He's referring to the way we process in this brain of ours. Behavior is the result of thinking. Right behavior is the result of right thinking. Wrong behavior is the result of wrong thinking. To conform to the pattern of the world means that you have embraced the world's way of thinking. Do not conform, but be transformed. You know, transform is, you know, in, in Greek it's called uh, metamorphono, where we get the word metamorphosis, which means to change or to remodel or to, to modify. And I believe that God is doing a change in our hearts, in our, in our lives today. You know, if you are a Christian, I believe that none of us would be able to claim that we are perfect beings already. We're still work in progress. Um, you know, if you go to a construction site, you would notice that there are signs uh, that would say uh, excuse for the mess or, you know, a hard hat zone or something like that because there's so much dust and so much falling debris. In the same way, we are still like that. But yet, the Bible says that we are continually to transform our mind. Uh, transform ourselves by the renewing of our minds. Repentance means to have a change of mind. That's metanoia in Greek. And the only way that we can transform our thoughts is by the renewal of your mind through the washing of the Word. Our, our mind actually needs brainwashing with the Word of God. We have been thinking like the world. That's why we are behaving like the world. But as we imbibe this particular word of God every single day, can you imagine? It will slowly transform you from the inside out. You know, for the past 30 plus years that I've been walking with the Lord, I'm not yet perfect, but yet as I engage with the word, the Holy Spirit is changing me. The way, you know, when I was single, I thought I was a patient man. I thought. And then I got married and I realized I was not patient at all. But yet, it was the Word of God that continually 
helps me. And of course, the Holy Spirit that convicts me to have a change of attitude. Don't think like the world, but think with the Word. How's your thought life? What have you been thinking about all the time now that we are in quarantine? What have you been watching? What have you been putting in your mind through your eyes? What have you been putting in your mind through your ears? You know, what is your pattern of thinking? Do you always have anxious thoughts? Do you always have fearful thoughts? Lustful thoughts? Angry thoughts? Envious thoughts? Bitter thoughts? You know, as the Word of God renews our mind, we begin to have new thoughts. Thoughts of faith, thoughts of love, hope, generosity, commitment, forgiveness. You just fill in the blank. So much, so on and so forth. Grace. We begin to think less of self and more of God and others. And lastly, as we move forward to what the Apostle Paul is exhorting us to do is graceful service. Graceful service. First point, we talked about living sacrifice. Second point is a renewed mind. Third point is graceful service. You know, Jesus came not to be served, but to serve. He came to serve us first before we can serve Him. And the only way that we can be qualified to serving in church or to serving Him or to serving others is that if He gave us first and we receive what He has given to us. You know, He gave us everything that we don't deserve. He gave us love, gave us forgiveness, gave us salvation, gave us adoption, gave us peace with God, gave us hope for the future, eternal security, gifts, blessings. Jesus came to serve and to save us. You cannot give what you do not have. And what the Apostle Paul is saying is that our response is to serve God because we have received that we ought to give. And in verse 3, it says, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Consider the way you think. The word think was mentioned in this particular verse alone three times. Do not think that you are better than others. Be humble. That's what the Apostle Paul is saying. We used to think highly of ourselves. We always think of ourselves, you know, that's the reason why, you know, our behavior with social media, we want so many likes. We want our, you know, we want people's attention. We want so many checks or hearts, you know, on our social media. We're so prideful and preoccupied about ourselves. But because of God's grace, we can change in our thinking about ourselves and start thinking about God and about serving others. In verse 4, it says, For us in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. You know, when we got saved, we became part of the church, the universal church. The church is pictured as the body of Christ and God places us in a local body of believers, a community. And God refers to us as members of the body, not just visitors, but members. The analogy that he used here is one body but many parts. My body parts, you know, as you see here in front of you, are always with me anywhere I go. 
My two feet are following me. My hands are attached to my body. My, my stomach is still here. My head is on top of my body. And so, all of this is composed of different members or different parts, but it's one body. They serve a specific role and function. Now, when a part ceases to be attached with the body, we call that a dismembered part. That's why may member, may dismember. Diba? If you are a believer, ask God where you, where you need to be part of a local church. You know, don't just you know, visit different churches. You know, ask the Lord, Lord, where's my place? Where's my home? Where is that local church that I can actually call my home? Do not be a dismembered part of the body of Christ. You know what? No matter how beautiful an eye is, and normally when you see commercials, they always focus on the eye. You know, if it's a makeup commercial, but no matter how beautiful an eye is, if it is detached from the body, and if you pluck it out of the eye, you know, socket, you place it here on this table, it is so gross and ugly. It is also, you know, it, this is for the horror movies, actually. But if you put it back there and it functions the way it should be, I believe it's the most beautiful thing there is. Verse 6, having gifts, as I come to an end, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use all of them. If your gift is prophecy, you know, in proportion to your faith, you prophesy. If your gift is service, then you serve. The one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads, lead with zeal, the one who, uh, you know, uh, does acts of mercy, do it with cheerfulness. The reality is we are all gifted and wired differently. But yet every one of us has something to give. Even the most introvert people on this planet has something to give. You know, God has placed you for a special purpose in the body of Christ. Paul did not give a comprehensive list in this particular chapter. In fact, he had another chapter written in the book of Corinthians. You know, but yet you see here gifts of service, teaching, exhortation, uh, giving, leading, showing mercy. And what the Bible is saying is it's in accordance to, to the grace given to us. Not in the accordance of our training, not in accordance to our background, not in accordance to where we were raised up, not in accordance to who your parents are. No, it's in the accordance to the grace given to us. Don't compare your gifts. Use it instead. Be a blessing. Be a blessing to others. Bless God with your gifts. The reason why God gave us gifts, it's not for ourselves. Gifts are meant to serve the body. Whether it's in your local church, in your community, in your city, in your family, go use that gift. You know, in our local church, we have this tool called the Strengths Finder. And we took a test and, you know, it will reveal to you your particular strength. And what's amazing about this is as I'm looking at my team of pastors and staff, we're all wired differently. There are those that are developers and there are those that are significant. There are those that are maximizers. There are those that are uh, people who are responsible. And so I get to appreciate the differences that we have. But yet when we come together, there's so much synergy. 
And I believe that we will glorify and honor God as we use our gifts flowing out from our body. And in conclusion, God has called us to offer our bodies to renew our minds and to serve others in accordance to the grace given to us. In fact, if you're writing down a main point, my main point is this. Your whole life is given to you to use as a gift to serve God and others. Use that gift and you will honor God with all that you got. Let's just bow our heads right now and come to a close. Father, thank you so much for our time today. Thank you, Lord. What an amazing chapter, Lord, in, in the book of Romans. And we thank you, Lord, for the exhortation of the Apostle Paul that this is our response as believers, as sons and daughters of God. And I thank you, Lord God, even as we once again worship you and honor you, God. Lord, help us to offer our bodies afresh. We're going to be singing a song right now and as, as we sing this short melody, I encourage you to join in. And for a brief moment, I want you to stand up and step forward with an act of faith. It's almost like a prophetic act. What you're saying is, Lord, I am stepping forward. What I'm doing right now is I am presenting to you my body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to you, which is my spiritual act of worship. Father, help us to renew our mind daily. Lord, allow us not to conform ourselves with the, with the thinking of the world, but allow us to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And I thank you to be able to test your will, your good, your pleasing, and your perfect will for each and every one of us. And Lord, I thank you also that you will allow us to be able to use whatever gift we have to serve just as Jesus gave his all and served us. May we be able to serve others as well, thus honoring, glorifying you. We thank you. We praise your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. subscribe and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Feel free to share this message with your friends too. For more information about our church, visit our website at www.victorialamang.church.